So before I get into like the actual meat of my message, I want to start off with a, a story that I have heard about in a newspaper a while ago. And in fact, people have used it in messages before to kind of uh, illustrate somebody who's had a really bad day, a day that is like vacant of joy. And this man is, is a man from Florida. And I'm just going to read it to you guys. And y'all listen to how bad this guy's day is. So the newspaper says this, it says, a man was working on his motorcycle on the patio of his house and his wife was in the kitchen and he was racing the engine. So he was sitting there, he was going, vroom, vroom. he was kind of just like, he was, you know, giving it some, some gas. And so as he's racing the engine, he accidentally slipped the motorcycle into gear. Now as, he had, and now as he had slipped the motorcycle into gear, he was holding onto the handlebars when it dragged him through the glass patio doors and the motorcycle dumped him in the house. So already kind of a bad day, as you can see. Now his wife heard the crash and ran to the dining room and found her husband cut and bleeding and the motorcycle next to him with the shattered patio door everywhere. She ran to the phone to call the ambulance and they, and they had lived on a pretty big hill so it, you know, when the ambulance gets there, it's gonna take them a little while to kind of go up the stairs and get to the, you know, the husband who is really, really injured. So while he's going to the hospital, uh, the paramedics take him away, and the wife gets the motorcycle out of the house, and she realizes that there's gasoline all over the floor. And so she quickly grabs some toilet paper because it was the first thing that she could find. She sops it up, and she throws it in the toilet, and she heads over to the hospital as fast as she can. So, already a bad day. The wife cleans it up. She throws the toilet paper that's soaked with gas into the, into the toilet. And so, long story the guy gets in the hospital, he comes back home, and as you can tell, as you could guess, he's kind of frustrated with his day because he's ruined his motorcycle, he's broken the patio door, and things are just a mess. So anyways, they get back from the hospital, and he's pretty much okay, but he's bandaged up, he's got a few cuts and bruises. And then he goes on, it goes on the newspaper goes on to say, he sees the door in the motorcycle that he ruined, and he's obviously frustrated with what has happened. So. In his frustration, he goes to use the restroom, and while he's there, he decides to light a cigarette while he's on the toilet. After finishing the cigarette, he flicks the cigarette between his legs and into the toilet bowl while seated. The wife who was in the kitchen heard the loud explosion and her husband screaming. She ran into the bathroom and found her husband lying on the floor. His trousers had been blown away, and he was suffering from burns on his buttocks, the back of his legs, and, well, you know. And... So the wife, immediately after hearing this loud explosion and seeing her husband in pain, she runs to the phone. She calls the ambulance, and the same paramedic crew that had helped him earlier came to pick him up again for a second time in a day. They loaded him up and were walking him down the stairs, and they asked the wife what had happened. And so she told the paramedics what happened, and they started laughing so hard that on the way down these stairs, the paramedics slipped, tipped the stretcher, thus dumping the husband out, and he fell down the remaining stairs and broke his arm. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that to me sounds like a really, really bad day, void of joy. Like, I, I don't know how you get to the end of that day and you can say, yeah, today was pretty good, you know, I think I had a pretty joyful experience today, you know, wrecking my motorcycle, the patio door, blowing up the toilet, burning myself all over, and then falling down a flight of stairs on, and breaking my arm. And so, I, you know, I think that all of us in here can say, we've had bad days before. Maybe not like that, but we've all had bad days before that kind of, kind of wreck us. And in fact, when I was thinking about the bad days that I've had in my life, I was thinking back to a time, and this is kind of a silly illustration, but I was in elementary school, and how many of you guys were, when you guys were little, did you guys like wrestling when you guys were little? Like WWE? A couple of us? Okay, okay, nice. I loved the WWE when I was little. Like elementary school, my favorite wrestler it was The Undertaker, which is kind of uh, funny that I'm a pastor now, and my favorite uh, 
wrestler was The Undertaker. But um, so every time I would get home from school on Mondays and Fridays, I would watch Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown, and I was a huge fan. And so when WrestleMania came around, which is like the big, the, like the Super Bowl of wrestling, I had never seen a WrestleMania before, and I was like, I want to see WrestleMania so incredibly badly. And my parents didn't want to pay for the pay-per-view because pay-per-view is ridiculously expensive. It was like $60 to watch WrestleMania. And they're like, we're not paying for that. But I was in luck because my uncle had paid for WrestleMania because he too was a huge wrestling fan and he knew that I was as well. So he was like, hey, why don't you have your family come and drop you off at my house and we'll watch WrestleMania together. I was like, sweet, let's do it. I'm this little giddy third grade, uh, third grade wrestling fan. And you know that I was a wrestling fan because they, the wrestlers do this weird thing where like they only wear underwear like the guys do. And so I loved wrestling so much that I would actually go into my backyard on the trampoline. We had this massive stuffed dog. His name was like, we called him Bernard because he was a big old St. Bernard. And you could see me out there just wearing my Blue's Clues underwear, like doing suplexes to this dog over and over again, doing pile drivers onto the trampoline. And so I wanted to be a wrestler so bad. So anyways, we fast forward to the day that WrestleMania rolls around. And all of a sudden, I'm upstairs playing in our game room. I'm playing PS2, which kind of ages me a little bit. Um, and I hear this. I hear Anthony Joseph Gersh. And how many of you guys know when you hear the middle name, you're in some big old trouble? <laughs> I heard my middle name. I raced down the stairs. And my parents are both sitting there with all these candy wrappers that they had found in my room, which I was not supposed to be eating candy because when I ate candy, I would go like wild. And I couldn't just eat one or two pieces. I would eat like 50 pieces. And so I, it was just a, a mess. And so I go down there, and they're like, listen, you're not going to WrestleMania to watch WrestleMania today because you did this and you disobeyed us and all this stuff. And not only are we doing that, but we're going to ground you from your PS2. You're grounded from suites for the next two weeks. And while WrestleMania is going on tonight, you're going to be writing a two-page report over diabetes. <laughs> and so my parents had quickly figured out that I had a super high pain tolerance and that it wasn't like I pain in inflicting pain on me, like physical pain didn't work, so they went with the mental warfare instead, and it worked really, really good on me. And so I chalked that up as a bad day, and to the average person, I think what we would say as the average person is, well, duh, like, how could you have joy in days like that? And those are both kind of silly and uh, extreme examples, but we, we look at that and we say, well, yeah, how could you have joy in the middle of those situations? How could you have joy in the middle of those circumstances? And so what we see here is, is that the average person would say, you know what, that's understandable not to have joy in that situation. And here's the reason why. It's because we oftentimes let our joy be determined by the happenings or circumstances of life. So for example, you get demoted, you lose your joy. You get served divorce papers, you lose your joy. It seems understandable, right? You, you all of a sudden, you get a pay cut, you lose your joy. And our, our joy is built on happenings so much of the time. But what if I told you that we could actually have joy in the middle of some of our worst circumstances and the trials of our life? Amen. What if I told you that you could have joy when you lost that job? Or that you could have joy in the middle of a negative report from a doctor? What if I told you that you could have joy when you're broke and you don't know how you're going to pay next month's bills? It's completely possible, and I can, I, I'm so excited to tell you guys how you can have joy in those situations tonight, because it is possible, and it's not by anything that we can do, but it's by what we do when it comes to Jesus being in our lives. So in order to do this, what I want us to do is I want us to go to the book of Philippians, where this really wise guy who wrote 
uh, the majority of the New Testament named Paul, is, is going to tell us how we can have joy no matter what we're going through, no matter the circumstances of life that we're facing. So we're going to break down Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13 in three different sections to discover where our joy comes from and how we can keep our joy in the worst of times. And uh, if you're taking notes tonight, I'm going to have three points to this message, so it'll make it really easy to follow for us tonight. So we're going to pick it up in Philippians 4, verse 4, where Paul writes this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, it says rejoice in the Lord what? Always. Say it louder for me. Rejoice always? That's right. It says always. It's not a matter, rejoicing and having joy is, is not a matter of our circumstances or our happenings. Paul makes it clear in this verse that rejoicing and having joy is, is in the Lord. It's not about what is going on around us or the circumstances that we're facing. It's about rejoicing and having joy in the Lord. So to really quickly clarify, for those of you who do not know, rejoicing simply means to have or to give joy. Now, when we think about this and we think about the idea of rejoicing always, you're probably like, really, Paul, do you really mean always? Paul would say, yeah, always. You, you mean when I'm going through a tough time? Paul would say, keep rejoicing. Keep going. Keep rejoicing in the Lord. What about when I get laid off at my job? Continue rejoicing. Continue rejoicing. And here is the reason why. It's simply because God works out all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus, which it says in Romans chapter 8. And so when we, when we think about this idea that we can keep rejoicing through the hard times, it's because the hard times are eventually going to come to an end. They don't last. These trials, they don't last. So what's the point of being worried or fearful or sad when you can have joy in the middle of the circumstance that you're going through because you know that it's going to work out no matter what in the end? I'm going to go on to verse 5 where it says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And this is point number one for those of you guys who are taking notes. Point number one is know the Lord is near. I could spend an hour on this verse, but truly this is a huge reason as to why we can always be rejoicing as Paul tells us to in this previous verse. And just a couple weeks ago, I was struggling with anxiety. I don't really struggle with anxiety. I'm not a very stressed person all the time. I'm kind of easygoing, chilled. I always have that kind of just supernatural knowing that the Lord is working things out for my good. But a couple weeks ago, I was really, really struggling with anxiety for the first time in forever. And it's funny how you think that you've completely gotten rid of something, and then the Lord kind of humbles you and is like, hey, you still need me in this area. So um, I had this anxiety that was deep inside of me, and I was, I was fearful of something that was potentially in my future, and so uh, I'm sitting there, and I have this anxiety, and I'm reading this chapter, Philippians 4, and for the first time ever, it stuck out to me, which is so awesome about the Bible, because I've read this verse five or six times, but this, has, this part has never stuck out to me, and it says, the Lord is near, and so what I want us to understand here is that this is the Lord we're talking about being near to us, each of us individually. It's, we're talking about the Lord that created the heavens and the earth, y'all. And he's near to us in the middle of our circumstances. We're talking about the Lord that delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. He split the Red Sea and they walked through on dry ground. That's the Lord that's near to us. We're talking about the same Lord that, that took Daniel. put him. Well, he didn't take him, but they, Nebuchadnezzar took Daniel. Or Darius, I can't remember which one. They took Daniel and they put him in the lion's den. And the Lord was there with him. Didn't get a single, didn't get bit, nothing. He came out of the... Out of the out of the lines then unscathed. That's the same Lord that's near to us. That's right. 
why do we fear? Why do we worry if we have a God who did all that stuff, who's the same today as he was yesterday, yet we still fear and we worry? Why? Why is that? It seems so misplaced, and it's be- I think it's because, like I said, we put our joy in the happenings and the circumstances of life rather than putting our joy in the Lord. We have no reason to lose our joy because the Lord who did all of those things is near to us. And that's the truth. And I wish that, I, if like, I've got such a good understanding of this over the last few weeks because I've seen how it impacts my life when it comes to the joy that I have now. When it comes to the, when it comes to the negative situations in my life, I see that the Lord is near and I'm like, why would I ever have anything to fear? Why would I ever have anything to be worried about? Because number one, we, we build our joy on the goodness of God, not on anything that happens to us. And God is good no matter what happens. Even when we're unfaithful, he's faithful. And, and like that's the, that blows my mind. And even when we are far away, he, draws, he tries to draw near to us. He wants to be with us so badly. And he's working things out for our good. So, number one, we, we keep rejoicing and having joy because the Lord is near to us. But Paul doesn't stop there in Philippians 4. So we'll pick it up in verse 8 and we'll get to my second point. It says in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So point number two is this. Think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. So here we see Paul give us a list of these things that we as believers should think on. And he says that we should think on things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely, admirable, excellent or praiseworthy. He says, think on these things. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but not a single one of those things is a negative thing in that list. Not a single one of those things is negative. And so I think that what oftentimes happens in our life is, is we start having these trials and these circumstances that come to steal our joy and, and we kind of let it because what we're doing is, is when that trial comes or when that circumstance comes, we let it take root in our, in our minds and we let negative thinking kind of just sit there on our mind and it builds a nest on top of us uh, of these things and it just stacks and it stacks and it stacks and eventually you're in a hole because you have let these negative thoughts run what you think about your circumstance or your trial. And so you have this, this view of your trial or circumstance that's different from the view that God has on it because you are not thinking about what you're thinking about. And so what I mean by this is that we need to take an inventory of our thoughts. When I say we need to think about what we're thinking about, we need to actually think about what we're thinking about. Are we thinking about more negative thoughts or more positive thoughts in our life? Are we thinking godly thoughts or, or sinful thoughts in our lives? Are we thinking about things that are good and pure, or are we thinking about things that are, are, are dirty and nasty? And when we take an inventory of our thoughts, a lot of times what we'll find is that our thoughts are not as clean and as pure as we thought, and maybe, just maybe, that's why we don't have joy. Because here's the deal. The effort to keep our joy and the effort to kind of stay joyful in our lives starts right here. It starts in the mind. Every battle that we go through starts right here. In fact, everything we do, unless it's a quick reaction, we think about before we do it. And so this is a truth that we need to get, we need to get a hold of tonight because if the battle starts here, then we can't go any further than where it starts if we're not winning this fight right here. 
If we're not thinking joyful thoughts in the first place when it comes to the circumstance and trial that we're going through, how are we ever going to get over the trial and have joy in the middle of the trial if we can't even think positive and godly thoughts about the trial that we're going to? Now, long time ago, uh, when I was in high school, I was dating this girl. We had dated for two and a half years, and I use this story a lot, so some of you may have heard about it, but it's just like, it's a pivotal point in my life. It's like a turning point in the life of AJ. And so she had broken up with me. It's like the fifth time we had broken up or something like that. Um, and so she had broken up with me, but this was like the final time. Things had happened that it was like, you know, this is, this is over now. And so I remember after we had broken up, you know, this is probably the biggest trial of my life and the biggest circumstance I've ever faced to date. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm brokenhearted, and like three days after we had broken up, my friend Steven comes over, and we go on a run. And so we go on a run, and I receive some more bad news about the breakup as I'm on the run, and so these negative thoughts just start flooding my mind. These negative things that I was saying about myself just flood and flood and flood my mind, and so... I'm sitting there, or while we're running, and finally we get back to my house, and I remember we stopped and we had just talked a little bit, and I sat on my driveway in front of my house, just like this, and I was sitting there, and I was bawling, y'all. I mean, I was crying in my driveway like a little baby. Um, and so I'm sitting there like this in my, in my driveway, and Stephen and I were just talking about it, and he was like, you just need to trust God, bro. You're like, he's like, God's got this for you, and he, he's like, look at the way it turned out for Pastor Jonathan. He was like, he was single for seven years, and it all worked out for him. And I looked up at Stephen, and I said, I don't want to be single for seven years. <laughs> I started crying even harder. I was like, I don't, I don't want to have to do that. And, but here's the point. Like, our thoughts are, are imperative when it comes to winning our battle for joy. And, and so what that started was a, a series of, of these thoughts that the enemy was hitting me with. You're going to be single for a long time. Nobody's going to, be, going to ever be as good as her. Nobody's going to ever be as beautiful as her. You're never going to find a girl that's like her again. And then, well, never mind. I was going to say something about that. I, I, I caught myself. Um, <laughs> and so what it had started was a, a, a train of these thoughts, of negative thoughts, that was beginning to impact the way that I was seeing my circumstance and my trial. It was the end of the world for me, y'all. I was so, so, so depressed at this time. And I look back and I laugh now because it's like, what are you doing, AJ? It's like, if, if I could go back in time and tell myself, it's going to be okay. God's got a plan for you. Keep staying positive. I totally wish that I could. And in fact, I think that my, that circumstance and that trial lasted so much longer than it had to because of the fact that I didn't have right thinking in the first place. Right thinking and, and, and thinking godly and pure thoughts is so important when it comes to the joy that we can have in the middle of our circumstance and our trial. So, point number one is know that the Lord is near. Point number two is that we need to think about what we're thinking about. And this brings me to the final point, and it's going to be found in Philippians 10, four, chapter 4, verse 10 through 13. And we'll pick it up there where Paul writes that. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. In other words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, which I like that translation a little bit more. So point number three is this. Joy comes through Christ. 
We always accept counterfeits all the time of joy. We think that money's gonna give us more joy sometimes. We think it's that materials are gonna give us more joy sometimes. We think that if our kids act better, we're gonna have more joy sometimes. We think that when the kids move out, we're gonna have more joy. We, We place our joy in so many different things. And here's the truth of the matter. Those are all fleeting. Those are all things that are not gonna give you fulfilling and lasting joy in our lives. Now, Philippians 4.13 is probably the most misused and misinterpreted verses in the entire Bible in the sense that, you know, when you look at people's lettermans at high school, everybody has, that, has Philippians 4.13 on them, and they apply it to sports. They're like, yeah, we're going to go out there, and we're going to smash them. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And maybe God cares about how they do in football and things like that, but it's not, it's not talking about having success in sports. It's not having success in, in these areas that don't really matter to God. We're talking about eternal things. Right. Having, having success in doing all things through Christ when it comes to eternal things. So, you know, we, we kind of have this distorted view of this verse because all we've ever seen is the way it's used. In, in, for me in high school, it was like everybody had that verse on the back of their letterman. And it's like, for real, bro, read your Bible and learn how to interpret it right. Come to church. Um, so anyways... Um, I want us to understand that when it's talking about doing all things through Christ who strengthens us, it's talking about eternal things, and and not just eternal things in the sense that later on in eternity, but things that, like Pastor said on Sunday, eternal life starts now for us. Eternal life is, when you accept Jesus as Lord, eternal life starts the moment you give your life to the Lord and you start following him and being obedient to him. So, when... we put the, our, our, our joy, when we think joy is going to come from those other things that are, are not eternal and are fleeting and are going to go away when we pass on from this life, we will always be left dry. It reminds me of the woman at the well. The woman at the well, she had had five husbands and she was on her sixth living with another man at this time. And she was trying to find her joy. She was trying to find her contentment in men, in relationships. And I think that so often we see this with teenagers a lot in the youth. We see people trying to find their joy in relationships. And what happens every time? They're left wanting more. They're never satisfied because it's not a satisfying thing. It's never fulfilling. It's always fleeting. And so we need to understand that it's not a thing. It's not a material. It's not a a person here on earth that can give us lasting joy. It is a person, and that person's name is Jesus Christ. He is the source of our joy, our peace, our love, our everything. Yet so often we look everywhere other than Jesus to fill us up. So often we look everywhere else other than Jesus to give us joy. And we need to start at Jesus. And everything else will be added onto us. Now, I also want to mention the fact that the truth is that when we understand that We can be content and have joy through Jesus. We can be more than just okay wherever we find ourselves in our trials. When we live through Christ, we can be content and have joy when we're in the valley just as much as when we're on the mountaintop. Now when I'm in my life and I am in the valley, I'm like, I just walk. I walk through it. The, uh, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He he leads me beside, uh, uh, he leads me in still pastures and green, oh my gosh, okay, green pastures and still waters, I had it backwards there, um, maybe I should start writing these verses down before I start trying to say them out loud, 
Lesson learned. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, Psalms 23, the Lord is the shepherd. He's going to walk us through the valleys. And I now, having this understanding uh, of knowing that our joy is found in Christ, I now can have just as much joy in the valley as I can on the mountaintop. And in fact, sometimes the valley is even better than the mountaintop. Because in the valley is oftentimes when we need to press into and lean into the Lord the most. And what that's going to do is this is going to build relationship with Jesus. And we're going to learn to trust him more in the valley. Oftentimes what happens with us is when we get on that mountaintop, when we get into the high places of life, we're like, Who's God? who needs God? Like, what? Like, I mean, we're up on the mountaintop and all of a sudden we forget about all the things that God has done for us. And that's when we go back into a valley and God's like, all right, come back here, boy. Like, hey, we need to get you back, in, back into my presence. Um, so... I can have joy just as much when I'm in the valley as when I'm on the mountaintop. And I can have just as much joy when I'm in a battle as when I have peace. I can have just as much joy when I've had a bad day as when I've had a good day. And I can have just as much joy when I'm sick as when I'm healthy. Because my joy is not dependent upon the happenings and the circumstances of life. But it's, on, it's dependent upon the truth that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And he's working out all things for the good of those who love him and call him according to Christ Jesus. So we know that the Lord is near. And we know that we need to start thinking about what we're thinking about. We have an understanding that true joy only comes from Jesus. But before I close, I want to read two more verses to help encourage us and then we'll be finished. And so this is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. Or excuse me, 1 and 2, rather. <laughs> it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And what I want us to do is, is kind of look at what he says in the middle of verse 1 going into verse 2. He says this, And let us run with the perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And what I think about this verse is I don't think that Jesus... One, he wasn't necessarily excited that he was going to get these nails nailed through his hand. He wasn't excited that he was going to be whipped with a cat of nine tails. He wasn't excited that he was going to be put on, he was going to have a crown of thorns put on him. In fact, the night before he gets arrested, he's in Gethsemane asking the Lord, he says, if you can, let this cup pass from me, which I think is so beautiful because it shows the humanity and the godliness of him all in one. But he says that it was the joy set before him. Not because of the cross, but I think because he looked at the cross and he saw you and he saw me and he said, it's worth it to go through this. It's worth it to go through this pain. It's worth it to go through this because I know that if I go through this trial, if I go through this circumstance, if I go through with this, they're going to be reconciled with me and they're going to be able to have relationship with me. And what I want us to do is I want us to look at our trials and I want us to look at our circumstances and say, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it to go through our trial. It's worth it to go through our circumstance. And here's the reason why. Because it's gonna work out and ultimately what happens when we lean into the Father in, those, in the middle of those trials and those circumstances is we can rest in having joy and knowing that we are going to be closer to the Lord when we get through that circumstance and when we get through that trial. So my question to you guys is tonight, why not have joy? 
Why not in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your circumstance, decide to say, I trust God so much with this that I'm gonna be joyful. Whatever the, whatever the enemy tries to come against me with, I don't gotta worry about it because God is on my side. What if we decided to change our thinking when it came to our trials and say, you know what, I'm gonna start thinking thoughts that are pure and are noble and are holy and righteous because I know that the thoughts that I think are the battle, the, the, the front lines of the battle that I'm facing when it comes to joy and the trial that I'm facing. And finally, what if we decided to say, it's through Jesus only that I have my joy. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what matters in our trial. You can have joy in the middle of your trial. You can have it. If Jesus had joy when he was going to the cross, we can have joy in whatever we're facing. Because what we're going through is nothing compared to what Jesus had to go through. And you can say, yeah, well, he was God, but he was also fully human at the same time that he was fully God. So you're probably like, well, how do I have more joy? What do you want me to go home and do, AJ? And this is what I want us to do. When you find yourself in the middle of a battle, or you find yourself in the middle of a trial or a circumstance that you don't like, and you start feeling your joy slip away from you, I want you to read Philippians 4. I want you to go into Philippians 4 and read it. And something that I forgot to mention earlier is this. Philippians 4 is written while Paul is in prison. He's in prison, and they could kill him any day. And he says, rejoice always. He says, rejoice always in the middle of prison when he could be executed the next day. You guys can have that same joy. I can have that same joy. The same power that lived in Christ lives in us. And we have the Holy Spirit that is here to comfort us and give us the fruit of the Spirit that is joy. So I want you guys to have a trigger. When I face a battle, when I go into a circumstance I don't like, Philippians 4. Because whatever I'm going through, I can have joy in the middle of it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So the way I want to finish is I want to pray for you guys. And then uh, after we pray, uh, Pastor Mark is going to come up and he's going to give us some announcements and then we'll be dismissed. Some announcements or he'll dismiss us. So uh, can we stand in the presence of the Lord really quick as I pray?